For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It's time, it's time for the Draft Dudes Podcast. What's better than this? Your hosts, the Draft Dudes themselves and co-founders of the Draft Network, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino. Guys being dudes on the Draft Dudes Podcast. And it starts now. Guys, being dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast. It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs. We are your hosts. Kyle Krabs is also here floating around producing this thing. We're from Hello. the Draft Network, and we're brought to you by Bet Online, which is your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends over at Bet Online. They are your continued source for all sports wagering information, including live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. They have all the sports. So head on over to betonline.ag to join and receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Just be sure to use our promo code BLEAV to get started. That's B-L-E-A-V. It's Bet Online, and it's where the game starts. Kyle, happy National Handwriting Day to you. Were you a cursive handwriter or like a pensmanship writer when you were in school obviously nobody uses cursive anymore in general when they're writing by hand but Mm -hmm. when you were in kid did did you have to do the cursive or were you more i don't even know what it would be if it's not cursive just regular regular um letters i remember being very excited to learn cursive in elementary school um but i i wrote with non-cursive Um, but my pensmanship is not very good. I got N's you ever, like, I don't know what your grading scale for you was, but like N was needs improvement. So it was like, O for outstanding S for satisfactory N for needs improvement. This is an interesting nugget. So you didn't go a through F you win. No, not like elementary school. We didn't get the ABCDs for, 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 you know, that was like a middle school thing. And I think I remember getting like a, uh, B minus on something in like third grade and getting real mad about it. Mm, yeah. B, B A's and B's. That wasn't a thing for me until middle school, honestly. Yeah. We got O S's and N's and I got N's in handwriting. <laughs> got in trouble for that too, man. Like I don't tell you not good at this. You, you've told me about uh, the, your parents and, and report cards and, and bad. bad grades. And yeah, that's, there's ramifications for that kind of stuff. There, there was real consequences. So yeah. I'm, oh yeah. And my punishment was writing assignments. Like my dad would so make to me do more. Yeah. Just write more like, um, do it till I, you get right. Dude. And I never did. I'm looking at my handwriting right now. I've watched I watched football players this morning taking notes on them. I don't. It's. It, I, it, I don't know, man. We type these days. It, it's. It's. It is what right. it is. The computer does the hard work for you now. I don't know. You know who's uh, my my um 
my in-laws are they have voiced uh their concerns about cursive not being taught anymore in school like that's a thing that they're very upset about really yeah i can't get myself there but i think there's a lot of um people that are upset about that my mom used to be really big into calligraphy if oh. you're familiar with calligraphy, like it's the special pen, and yeah, yeah, then it's yeah, like the very old Englishy cursive yeah. script. Yeah, that she used to get down with that quite often, but uh, I don't think she has time for it anymore. Well, if Chris Schubert were here, he'd probably say we don't have any time for this right. banter. He, we need to get into our, us. our dudes and in, in, in our mock draft. But Chris but, isn't here. Yeah. So that. It's been a while since we've talked about the attendance board, mm-hmm. but um, Chris, you, you are officially no longer the king of the hill. I, right. be, I believe that makes me the king of the hill. Well, it's debatable. It's de- well, <laughs> what, debatable. What, what was our big scandal? I remember uh, we had a scandal. I don't remember what it was. Yeah, you you guys um, were together in Mobile, and I oh, was not. Right, and then you kept right. on having like conflicts at the times that we agreed. And then it was eventually will handle it and never even told me when the the 16th rescheduled recording was going to be. So I missed the show, but it's hard to I mean, it, it by the spirit of it, I guess it's you. But it, the bottom line here is Chris is it's, it's not is your zero. fault, Joe. Yeah, it's yes. not your fault. But Joe, Joe is or Chris is. And I'll say this because he's not here to ram, uh, <laughs> enforce. It he's bottom bitch right now. Right. Like yeah. he's bottom of the totem pole. Yeah. Congrats. No showed, no communication. Right. We're a little disappointed, but we're mostly hurt. Yeah, right? and, and there's always that piece of you that wonders: is everything okay? Right? Like you'd hate oh, to be. It's gonna be real awkward if right. everything's not okay. Right. But if my guy right just now. slept in, you know, I, it's right. it's gonna be tough to tough to understand. <laughs> he ain't gonna bounce back from that. Nope. <laughs> All right. So we got some dudes. We got a, a mock from uh, Damian Parson. Kyle, I have three dudes. They're all from this weekend's playoff action. Uh, my first dude is Frank Pollock. Do you know who Frank Pollock is? Remind me. I know the name. Yeah. But is it's he... not, oh, of course, Frank Pollock. Of course he's <laughs> he's a dude this week. Yeah, he damn right he's a dude. The offensive line and run uh, offensive line coach and run game coordinator for the Cincinnati Bengals. Mm. Uh big talk going into their game against the Bills this weekend about how they're gonna be down three starting offensive linemen. And I'll tell you who didn't care about that. Uh, Frank Pollock and the Cincinnati Bengals, they came out uh, without Jonah Williams, without Alex Kappa, without Lyle Collins. Ted Karras, their center, gets hurt early in the game, is kind of playing through injury. Um, their, their only like starter that was right was their fourth-round rookie out of North Dakota State, Cordell Volson, and they dominated a football game with three backups and uh, a hobbled starter and a rookie. You got to give them credit, man. Um, their last four games, they didn't run the ball well at all. They had 53, 73, 55, and 51 yards rushing. They came into Buffalo, 34 rushes, seven, 172 yards. 172 yards, that's over five yards of pop. Uh, so they obviously created a ton of displacement in the run game, but also uh, they didn't let the Bills sniff Joe Burrow in pass protection. So I think you got to give Frank Pollock a lot of credit for figuring it out, not letting this being a stumbling block for their football team. And, um, you know, not only was it uh, not a stumbling block, it was a strength for them uh, on Sunday afternoon as the Bengals get back to the AFC Championship game. Well, and I'm glad that that you went there. Joe Mixon was going to be one of my dudes. He wasn't going to be the first one that I was going to talk about. But we'll we'll bunch these two together and just kind of talk about this storyline from the game, obviously, where you know, Cincinnati from an 
efficiency standpoint has actually been pretty good when they choose to run the ball, but they don't choose to run the ball all that often. It's not the identity of the team, right? And and I, I think for me, when I think about the way that this game played out, you've kind of seen glimpses of this with with Buffalo and the rushing defense where teams the last two years have had a chance when they choose to commit to do it uh, to kind of get after Buffalo up front. And I, I think that this game felt like to me, the fact that Cincinnati had the success that they did rushing the ball early in the game kind of got Buffalo off balance defensively. And then I think Cincinnati rode that throughout the entire course of the game, but, mm-hmm. but Joe Mixon finished a lot of those runs really, mm-hmm. really well. So credit to credit to Joe Mixon, credit to everybody involved in the game plan offensively for Cincinnati because they came out and they executed uh, really well. And the, I think the success that they had early on reaped benefits for 60 minutes. Yeah, put uh, put them in a really good spot, put the Bills in chase mode and never had any rhythm on offense or defense. And look, Joe Mixon, what did he say all week? He said, we're the big dogs in the AFC. And Backed they up, man. yeah backed it up in a big way and I get it man they freaking won the whole damn thing last year right in terms of the AFC and and you know it's Bills Chiefs Bills Chiefs Bills Chiefs well uh the Bengals took care of the Chiefs during the regular season they obviously just took care of the Bills and they got a chance to go win their fifth in a row against Kansas City next weekend at their place uh which obviously we'll talk with about Patrick Mahomes with yeah, a high ankle sprain. bum ankle you know suspect defense we'll see I I like the Bengals but um yeah you know, I'm never going to like put Mahomes out, but on a bum, I mean, the, most guys miss like four to six weeks with a high ankle sprain, right? That's right. that has when, to affect when, him in some way. When we're running stretch, dude, and we literally got to hop on one leg to get it out there and the angles get cut down for here's this. First of all, respect to Patrick Mahomes for playing through it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Respect to Patrick Mahomes for kind of understanding the magnitude and, we play all year for these opportunities. I don't want to miss this time. I'm going to go out and play with my guys. He still made some stuff happen. The last touchdown pass that he had was outstanding. But the concern is you look at how badly Patrick was influenced by that and you cross-reference that with how he plays the game generally. Yeah. And it has the potential to really disrupt a lot of what Kansas City – has reaped the benefits of all season long with Patrick Mahomes' unique skill set. Yeah. I mean, they're off. Kansas City's offensive line's good, but I don't know. I, defensively, I don't know. We'll see. We'll talk about that later in the week, I'm sure. Uh, my next dude is from that uh, Chiefs football team. It's Travis Kelsey. Um, 14 catches on 19 targets, 98 yards, two touchdowns. I know that that's not a lot of uh, yards per reception, but. It was very much a situation where every single time that they needed to move the sticks and get a third down conversion, they just went to Kelsey and he was always open. And maybe you could say Jags, like maybe you need to do something here a little bit different defensively uh, to take him away. But uh, this has been going on for years, right? Like years where there's a reason he catches a hundred balls and 1400 yards and 12 touchdowns a year. Unprecedented production from, from the tight end position for a number of, of years. And I mean, more than half of Kansas City's completions went to Kelsey. Yeah. And teams just continue to have no answers. And I, I mean, you could look at it and say, look, live in a world where Marquez Valdez, Scantling, and and Juju and, and Kadarius Tony and Jalen Watson beat you. Um, but uh 
doesn't happen. It doesn't happen with with that level of consistency. Travis Kelsey was a chain mover, rose to the occasion when you knew that, you know, whether it was Henny for a few drives or uh, having to uh, adjust to Pat Mahomes and in, in him not having his typical mobility, which is a big reason why he's special with his ability to extend plays and move within the pocket. Uh, Kelsey was consistent as ever kept the chains moving and really was a big reason why they are with the fifth straight AFC championship game for the Kansas city chiefs. You know, what my favorite aftermath of that, that game was as a fan of not the Kansas city chiefs and a fan of a team who has not had a lot of postseason success reading the tweets of like, man, I'm 30 years old and there's kids half my age who all they know is their favorite team playing in the conference championship game. And I haven't even gotten a playoff win in the last 20 years. And it's like, yeah, it's always good to hold the third team in the history of the NFL to ever play in five consecutive conference championship games up as the standard to measure your fanhood's experience too. Like that's a normal thing to play in five straight conference championship games. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a fair point, man. Sometimes we lose perspective leaning into like the crazy good outliers, but it ain't normal. And credit to them, right? I mean, it's it's gonna you know be really I, fun. You know who I, I'm not? I'm not sure the Kansas City Chiefs are able to say that if it's not for this guy, my next dude. Who are you going with? You see this right here? Uh, I know where you're going. Yeah, that's uh, was that the Wilson Bulldogs? The Wilson Bulldogs. My high school teammate Chad Henny. Let me look. I, I need a, a for deeper look at the at the logo on the side of that helmet. I sure. Here you go. Okay. All right. So it's a, that's a different looking bulldog, right? It's I mean, just, it, it's a straight up bulldog. Yeah. Yeah, but I've never seen it quite put, put like that, right? You got the full body situation going on there. Normally, right. Just usually the, head. the bull, bulldog's just the floating right. head with the spike collar. Right. 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 You got it all Thanks, going Georgia. on there. You made the standard for everybody. Um. <laughs> Yeah, so Chad was the quarterback of the Wilson Bulldogs. His senior year was my freshman year. And then he angered the entire state of Pennsylvania and went to Michigan instead of Penn State. Oh. Spurred Penn State. <laughs> yeah, but it was like people were real pissed. <laughs> but uh, had a very successful career at Michigan, gets drafted in the second round of the Miami Dolphins. So that was a really cool experience for me as a Dolphins fan to have Chad be the quarterback for a couple of years. Things didn't work out. He goes to Jacksonville for a stretch, he's backup quarterback. Then he goes to the Chiefs. And now he's a 15-year vet. He's made his second playoff appearance, what, yeah. in as many years or in three years? In the last uh, three years. It was the Cleveland game. Wasn't that two years ago so against two years Baker? Ago. Yeah. Yes. So his second, like, significant amount of playoff time in the divisional round of the AFC playoffs. And Chad got it done against the Browns. believe he ran for a big first down in that game. He threw, threw some – that. You know that little whip whip route they love to run mm-hmm. with the rub on fourth down, on like their short down and distance situations? I believe he had that to ice the game. Chad had another one of that exact play against the Jaguars on Sunday or over, over the weekend on Saturday and threw his first career postseason touchdown pass. Talk about a difficult spot to be in. 98-yard touchdown drive. Patrick Mahomes, league MVPs out with an ankle issue. And you take this team down the field and score a touchdown. Chad Henney, for his supporting role 
Travis Kelsey didn't give this guy game ball for nothing. Hey. Guy's a dude. Happy for Chad, man. First touchdown pass in the postseason. 15 seasons. My guy's raked in 38.6 mil out there. Not bad. Making it go, man. Good for, good for him. Good for him, man. He's he's had four years in Miami, six in Jacksonville, five Jacksonville. in Kansas City. Yeah. Wow. Old Chad Henney. All right, I got one more dude. We'll go to the NFC for this one. Uh, Want to shout out Eagles defensive player Hassan Reddick, who has absolutely yeah. just – I mean, he's lighting it up down the stretch here. Um, dominant against the Jets – or Jets, the Giants, excuse me. Uh, played 36 snaps, one and a half sacks, seven QB pressures, a tackle for a loss, three quarterback hits, and three run stops. I mean, the guy oh, just it? fills it up. Is that's that it? it. Yeah, thirty-six snaps. I mean, come on, that's like that's that's a, a lot of production efficiency. for like. Yeah, dude, I, <laughs> that's impact, right? That's impact. Um, he is uh, he is thriving in this this defense, which just has you know just a lot of bodies up front that can get after it, and he makes the most of his opportunities. And like what he did over the back half of the season, now into the playoffs, is is really really top tier stuff. So. It's weird that this guy has been like on three teams in the last three years, right? With in three mm-hmm. good seasons in Arizona, Carolina, and and Philly, um, it's it's time for him to become a like a true pillar of a defense, um, and I think that's going to happen here with the Eagles. Hey, how about um, how about another player? I don't want to say regressing because it's the opposite of regressing, but advancing into their scouting report. When Hot, Hassan? Remember, yeah, remember when Hassan Reddick came out and like we loved him? Yeah. And then he goes to Arizona and they played him at stack linebacker. And then, then you moved him midway through his first season back to pass rusher. And then he went back to stack linebacker again and then went back to outside linebacker. And then like lo and behold, like magically he becomes the player we thought he was going to be when you give him enough time and the sample size gets big enough. Funny how that goes. It's funny how that goes. Hassan Reddick, I want to make sure I get this right now. You mentioned the last three years on the last three teams. Um, my guy, Joe, do you know how many career sacks Hassan Reddick has? How many seasons has he played? Is this like this six is or his, seven? This is his sixth season in the NFL. I guess he has over 50. He's 47. Okay. You know how many sacks he had his first three seasons oh, in the NFL? Yeah, probably not many. Maybe 10. Seven and a half in his yeah. first three seasons. I'm not a math guy. Not many. But that's um, that's 39 and a half sacks over the last three seasons for Hassan Reddick. On three different teams. On three that's got to be a record, teams. right? Like, who's who's done that? Man, uh, I'm, tr- I'm trying to think of guys who even bounced around that much who were top-level right. sack artists. Yeah, that's weird. That's different. It's that's- like... Um, they Clowney's probably as close as you'd get, right? And Clowney didn't even have sack. So he went yeah, to Seattle and didn't have sack production. Like, he had the you know, opportunity he on different teams. He right. Didn't have he the definitely numbers. didn't. He definitely <laughs> didn't have the numbers. Right. Uh, the last, the last dude that I have is from the other NFC game. So I'm glad that you went with with the Eagles game. Although I could have picked somebody from this game. Uh, Fred Warner, linebacker for the San Francisco 49ers, and and watching him. Carry and bracket C.D. Lamb every time C.D. Lamb ended up in the slot. And watching <laughs> Fred Warner is mugged up 
in the opposite A and then turns and bails out and carries CD 30 plus yards downfield and successfully walls off that route. And Dak had an awesome throw on that individual play. But if you want to encapsulate what Fred Warner does and why he is a top two linebacker in the NFL, and I'm not sure that he's number two, that individual rep and what San Francisco was able to do because of just how good he is really spoke volumes to me. And the processing speed, his ability to get sideline to sideline, how quickly he gets down and floods gaps, and then you have that kind of athleticism in the passing game is just surreal. And, you know, San Francisco's defense showed up big time. I can't wait to watch the defensive struggle between San Francisco and Philadelphia next weekend for a right uh, chance to go to the Super Bowl. But I would ask you this, Joe. You have Kansas City and Cincinnati on one side, teams known offensively. And then on the other side, you have Philadelphia. And say what you will about their offense and how good it's been. I think Philadelphia probably is the most well-rounded resume. And the question is, okay, like what's the quality of competition that they played to this point in the year, yes or no? And then San Francisco has two teams. So I think defensively is, is really their backbone. Uh, do, you have a, do you have a conference lean right now for the big game? Um, I do. I lean AFC. And I have strong leans for the teams that I think are going to win these conference championship games too. I have a pretty strong lean on both of mine as well. Eagles do do we want to go there? Eagles and, Eagles, and, Eagles and Bengals are the two teams that I yeah. am strongly leaning. Yeah. Now, I think there's a, a perfectly good game script for San Francisco to win this game. Um, I think the questions with Pat make Kansas City kind of the, the muddiest team to try to make heads and tails of right now. And clearly the worst defense of the four teams, right? Right. Yes. I, the Bengals might man, be the Cincinnati most backs. The back seven on Cincinnati flies around, man. Yeah. I think they Cincinnati's so the speed. most complete team of like star quarterback, weapons, defense. I think Philadelphia could give him a run. I think Joe Burrow's a better quarterback than Jalen Hurts right now, but Jalen Hurts can beat you in different kinds of ways. AJ Brown, Smitty, Dallas Godert. Yeah. Yeah. I Philly's mean he's got a better offensive line. If it's if it's not those, I mean they're going to play the games. I just feel like that's going to be the matchup, and it should be. And I wouldn't write in San Francisco's the new purple cockroaches. Brother, I, <laughs> I, I I don't know what to say about that. Awesome but. defense, man. It is. It but is. You, but you you so you just think Cincinnati is the most well-rounded team of all the teams. Period, and therefore that's the lean that you have. Well, I think they have. I think they have clear. Okay. Hobbled Pat, they have the clear best quarterback. Of the four teams, yes. yes. So that's huge. I think they have the mix of talent and coaching on defense that really, I mean, I, I came, I, if you remember over the summer, I did that in-depth study on the Bengals defense throughout the playoffs. And I'm like, guys, Lou Anarumo has his together. Like, Yes, he does. He, and, and, his ability to game plan and maximize his talent. He's got talent too. Like I know their corners 
you would look at and say, Eli Apple, Cam Taylor, Britt, that's your opportunity. But they're so good everywhere else. When they force you into those throws and yes. they force you into low percentage throws. Right. But it. Anna Rumo's ability to scheme with his talent, with that quarterback, I with those receivers, man. Oh I, man. I just I think about that Kansas City Tampa Bay game a couple years it. ago. Yeah. And and I would look at either Philadelphia or San Francisco and I would say, well, they're not they're not gonna win shootouts. But I I think either one of those two NFC teams could give either one of those two AFC offenses fits with an extra week of preparation with with what they're capable of doing. Not saying they're going to do it, but I think there's a lot of really compelling matchups we can get out of the combination of the four teams that we have left. Also very cool that the la- the, the last six teams were the top six teams as far as DVOA and, and I believe EPA this year. Kind of like you got exactly the last six being the the, the six best teams. It's some of that's timing, right? The fact that the, of course, yeah, yeah Jacksonville yeah, yeah. and the Giants were eliminated on Saturday, but yeah, I think the last six were the last six, and I think the last four are the last four. Yeah, I mean, maybe not in terms of DVOA, but I mean, in terms of the way I see the teams, I think those are the four best. So, so we have a mock draft. Yeah, Damian Parson put this one together. Okay. So do you have it up? Do you want me to get it up? How do you want to um, how do you want to tackle the mock? I do have it up. Um I've looked through the first few picks. That's what I've seen. Okay. Can we take the journey together then? Sure. I haven't seen it. Oh, so I'm gonna be the like master of ceremonies here? You can be or I can do it. I don't care. Uh let me I'll take a shot at this. I'll take a uh, shot. Oh we're gonna take a shot. Yeah, okay. why not? We'll try some new things here on a on a Monday. Um all right. Damian Mar- Damian Parson mock draft 5.0 number one overall pick. We have a trade. The Indianapolis Colts come up. They give up number four, 36 and a first round pick next year. Okay. For the first pick and Will Levis quarterback, Kentucky Bryce young to the Texans at two will Anderson edge Alabama to the Cardinals at three Jalen Carter uh, is who the Georgia uh, is who Chicago gets in the trade back? Obviously, the Georgia defense tackle number five, Tyree Wilson, edge rusher, Texas Tech to Seattle. How many do I go? Five at a time. This there, there's five. I think that that all checks out to me. I think you got decent value with the trade. Um, it's like it's not something I would bat an eye at and say yeah. it was egregious. Um, and I think the the top. Five are the top five when you consider who the quarterback needy teams are. So I think this is a good start for Dane. Yeah, I think you're the 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 wild card is going to be the non two quarterbacks, non Carter Anderson pick, and, and in this case, right. this scenario, we have Tyree Wilson. Uh, number six, the Carolina Panthers come up for a quarterback, C.J. Stroud out of Ohio State. Uh, they give up nine, a twenty twenty three three. And a 2024 one to move up three spots. Wow. Oh, that extra one's a killer. That's a killer in this trade. Wow. Okay. Um, (laughs) So they get their guy in CJ Stroud. The Lions move back to nine at seven. The Raiders get Paris Johnson, the left tackle from Ohio State. Falcons, Christian Gonzalez, corner, Oregon at eight. At number nine, Miles Murphy, the edge rusher from Clemson, goes to the Detroit Lions in that trade back. At number 10, the Eagles, Brian Breezy. Defensive tackle Clemson. 
Okay. So I think we got good names. Obviously, the trade value was the, the big knee-jerk reaction. Who went um, – Paris Johnson went seven. Who went eight? Is that Christian Gonzalez. Gonzalez to Atlanta? Yeah. And then nine was Murphy to Detroit, the new spot? Yeah. Sounds good to me. Yeah. It's kind of like some of this is the rich get richer a little bit with Breezy to, to the Eagles, just obviously a a horse, another horse for them up front. And I think they're going to have some choices there at defensive tackle. They with are. a lot of expiring yeah. contracts, so I can really understand that. Uh, you know, pairing Aiden Hutchinson with Miles Murphy to go with Josh Pascal and James Houston, you love what, what they can do now up front to affect quarterbacks. I think Paris Johnson's a great pick for the Raiders because I think he can play on the right side. Um, and the Falcons, it's interesting. I think they need help in a lot of places. Um, you would potentially want to lean into maybe a player up front, but you know, maybe you go into the coverage a little bit, pair AJ Terrell, who didn't have a great season after a really good one in 2021 uh give him a, a running mate at there in the back end in christian gonzalez number 11 the tennessee titans get broderick jones the offensive tackle from georgia number 12 houston texans quentin johnson wide receiver tcu tcu to go with bryce young at number two uh the jets you'll never guess who it is kyle at 13 brian branch brian safety branch, from alabama go, baby 14 the new england patriots do a thing here and they draft jordan addison the wide receiver from usc at 15, the Green Bay Packers do a very Packers-like thing and draft Lucas Van Ness, the edge from Iowa. I think the biggest the biggest reaction I have through the entire top 15 is it was the Titans at 11, or no, it was the um, Texans at 12 that got Quentin Johnston, right? Yep. You know who put out their first mock draft on Friday? I don't know. Daniel Jeremiah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Daniel always has a few quirky things in the first mock that usually age pretty well. And you know who wasn't in the first round of Daniel Q. Jeremiah's first mock draft? Was, was he not in there, Q? He was not. Mm. There were a couple of key players that did not make the cut for the top 31 picks. And Quentin Johnston was among them. I thought that was very interesting. Say. Big 12 wide receiver, spread offense. Obviously, this is a height, weight, speed player. There's a lot of likable traits, but he doesn't face a lot of press coverage. I'm interested in what his 10-yard split is as far as his early speed versus his Super open field gradual. speed. Yeah. He's well, a big, leggy guy. It's not necessarily a huge surprise that if he ends up being like that. Then there's the question of, okay, you know, if he's got to deal with contact in the first five yards at a higher frequency in the NFL, how does he handle that? So did DJ just not find a spot? Did DJ evaluate him and make that decision on his own? Or is DJ talking to folks? And that's kind of the nudge that he got. I don't have the answer, but it's just, I don't think I would be putting Quentin Johnston in the top 20 if I were doing a mock right now. Yeah just based off continuing to see more of him kind of getting a feel for the rest of the class, understanding what the other wide receivers look like. That's kind of the way that I'm just trending right now. Number 16, the commanders get Joey Porter jr. Corner out of Penn state 17 Steelers, Peter Skaronsky offensive lineman from Northwestern okay. 
18, a very Lions pick here, Devin Witherspoon, corner from Illinois. Oh, I love it. So it's Murphy and Witherspoon, Witherspoon. for the Lions. Keely Ringo to the Buccaneers at 19, the corner from Georgia at 20. Anthony Richardson to Seattle, quarterback out of Florida. Doesn't look like anything nefarious to no. me. Yeah, very logical selections here. We can move it along here. Pick 21 does not exist. 22, the Los Angeles Chargers, Michael Mayer, tight end Notre Dame. 23, the Baltimore. Sorry, who, who is it? 22? I blacked out when you just kind of <laughs> glossed over 21. Uh, 22, the Los Angeles Chargers pick, Michael Mayer, tight oh, end God, Notre Dame. I love it, too. It's a good pick. Baltimore Ravens, Jackson Smith and Jigba, wide receiver, Ohio State. 24, Minnesota Vikings, Cam Smith, the corner from South Carolina. Here's an interesting one. 25, the Jaguars, Rasheed Rice, wide receiver, SMU. I don't think I'm vibing with that one. Yeah, me neither, man. You got Calvin Ridley. You got Zay Jones. You have Christian right. Kirk. You need offensive tackle. And then Ingram's made it known he wants to be back. Right. Like, I don't know, man. That's that's not how I'd be using the re- – I like Rasheed Rice. I think it's a fine range for him. But for Jacksonville, I don't know if this is – where I'm lasering. And who's who's the tackles on the board? I know Skaronsky went, Broderick Jones went, Paris Johnson went. Right, so th- those guys are all gone. Um, and he does have DeWan Jones coming off the board of, in a few picks, which is... Do you think Doug would like him? Um, I think Trent Baalke would like him. <laughs> yeah, good, good point. He's got like the biggest wingspan ever, like... 89 right. inches or something like that. I could see that being a sell for oh, them. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know if you like, I, I know you just go, okay, he's an offensive tackle. So we like him better than Rasheed Rice. Like, I don't know if I'm willing to like have that conversation, but I think they're fairly similarly graded players, at least for me. And, and I think they had bigger needs at offensive tackle. I would agree. And, and man, like, We'll see how he tests. I don't think he's going to be like a slug. I think he's going to test okay. DeWan? Yeah. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be like Orlando Brown testing. And like even then, Orlando Brown's the starting left I mean, tackle. DeWan's apparently a hell of a basketball player too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. The athleticism's the real deal. Yes. So. Number 26, the Giants. Clark Phillips, the third corner out of Utah. Mm. Dallas Cowboys at 27. Siaki Ika, nose tackle from Baylor. 28, the Bills, Andrew Voorhees, guard from USC. I'm just going to finish this out. Bengals, 29, Darnell Washington, tight end Georgia. The Broncos at 30, Cody Mock, offensive lineman, North Dakota State. 31, the Chiefs get Dewan Jones out of Ohio State, the offensive tackle. 32, Bijan Robinson to the Eagles. There's a stretch of, I think it's three picks, and I don't, it might be four. I don't even know who the fourth was. I hated the first three picks of this stretch. So Clark Phillips to the Giants, Ica to the Cowboys, Voorhees to the Bills. I would agree yeah. with you. I, I don't like did, any of those three I dis, dislike those three. So, uh, Giants, can, Giants get their pick of the litter of the interior offensive lineman in this group. How about Michael Schmitz from Minnesota? Mock. Would love that. Cody Mock, yep, potentially as a guard. Yeah. I would love him exponentially more than a corner for the Giants. The offensive the offensive skill group needs to get so much better for New York. Yeah. Um, Ica, I I get it. I don't like the value personally. I don't think he's going to be a finisher. I think he's you know he's probably an early down player. I, I if he's one of your best four pass rushers, I, I think you need to look at to, to be playing on third downs. I think you need to look at your pass rush room and ask yourself some hard questions. 
And then Voorhees is a day two guy in my eyes. Yeah. And I'd be interested if he fits, if you think he fits what Buffalo went after this past year on the offensive line. But I think there's a, a chance he's a quality starter, but I just don't like the value here at the end of the first round. I get your drafting for need, but you know, we got Tremaine Edmonds is probably going to try to command 16 to $18 million. Jordan Poyer's probably going to command $16 million. Like, they're going to pay those guys. They're going to have to replace one. Yeah, they'll need a starting answer. left guard, too. Like, yeah, but, yeah, but I, uh, from an opportunity cost sure. perspective, yeah. how how easy is it to, to find a veteran starting left guard for what you signed Saffold for this year? And I know Saffold hasn't been great, but... Yeah, I, seven or eight million or something like that. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, how many years in a row do we need to watch... Um, Who's the Carolina guard that signed in Pittsburgh on the one-year deal for five mil? Oh, uh, Tucker, Tucker, Trey Turner, Trey Turner. Yeah, Trey Turner. How many how many years do we need to watch the Trey Turners of the world make it to June and they get signed? Yeah. How many how many good offensive line signings were there in the summer this year after the the first two waves of free agency? Right, you can get them. Right, you can get them. Yeah, the premium resource like this. Uh, yeah. I, yeah, for all three of those picks, or really, really Ika and Voorhees, I, I, he he misses me with them. I like I like the last three picks a lot better. Cody Mock, the Broncos, Dewan Jones to the Chiefs, and Robinson to the Eagles at thirty two. At thirty two, I, I yeah, I mean Bijan to the Eagles. I I can't even begin to hesitate with that. So the Eagles' two picks are Bijan and Brian Brzee. It's good. Players. They did well. Yeah, it's good players. So. All in all, pretty good job from Dame. I like this mock. Um, no surprise that it's the back eight where things kind of get a little contentious, right? Because mm-hmm. that's usually where it happens in these mocks. Any, any parting thoughts for the people, Joe, before we let everybody out here? I always think it's weird when a team has two first-round picks and the second pick is the quarterback. You know what I mean? Like for the Seattle, right. Seattle right. to go Tyree Wilson at five, not pick C.J. Stroud, leave him on the board at six, to come back and get Anthony Richardson at 20. Like I, I always think that's really goofy to me. I'll pass that info along. I'll let Damien's people know that you, you feel that way. <laughs> All right, very good. All right. Kyle Krabs, Joe Marino, usually Chris Schubert, but not today. I need the, uh, uh, what's that? The Kimbe Mutombo from the, no, no, the commercial. No. <laughs> no, 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 not today. <laughs> With the finger wag at the grocery yeah. store. We need that. On the soundboard, that one's coming. Uh, no Chris Schubert today. Uh, take him off the board. No longer the king of the hill here on Draft Dudes from an attendance standpoint. Things you love to see. Kyle Krabs, Joe Marino. Thanks for friends over at Ben Online for their continued support of the show. Make it a great rest of your day, and we will talk with you all again tomorrow. Thanks for being here for another episode of the Draft Dudes Podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. While you were at it, help the dudes out by leaving a rating and review. Want more? Head over to www.thedraftnetwork.com or follow us at The Draft Network on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. 
Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.